February 14th, 2024, we're in If you count from the top of the Amud down, we're uh, 12 lines down. The second word on the line, Ela. If you recall what the Gemara was in the midst of doing, a little bit technical, no, a lot technical, uh, with regards to how to read the Mishnah. If you recall, the Mishnah gave us mixed messages about what's called kerin bershuta nizak, which means to say if the animal gores in what we call an irregular way, a derech mishune or derech mishuna in uh, the, uh, on the property of the owner who got damaged, uh, what's the liability going to be? Now, we know already from the Mishnah Daf Kaf Dalid that that's going to be a mahloke between Rabbi Tarfon and Hachamim. According to Rabbi Tarfon, in such a situation, even though Bereshut Tarabim in the public area, in the place where there's Reshut Lanizak Velamazik Likanes Lisham, everybody agrees over there it's Hatzinezek, that's Pasuk in this past week's Parashan, Parashan Mishpatim. And nonetheless, in Reshut Nizak, when it's my private property and you came on with your dog and it attacks my dog, well, what's the halakha in such a situation? Bitarfon says Nezek Shalem. And Hachamim say, even there, Hatzinezek. That's what we uh, talked about. And uh, as a result, this Mishnah, which gives mixed messages, is what we're trying to decipher. The easiest, uh, from a technical uh, aspect, but maybe not from a writing uh, perspective, was the first approach. If you recall, Shemuel told his student, Rav Yehuda, Tachilak, Shevok Matnitin, leave the Mishnah aside, come after me, Reshar Abbanan, Sefar Bitarfon. The Mishnah is giving you mixed messages, two different opinions. It's just, it works from a technical perspective. It's strange that uh, someone would write a Mishnah, would put together something, or maybe even just orally compose it without making clear I'm segueing from one opinion to the next. I give you a class and I start with the opinion of Harambam and I finish with the opinion of, I don't know, Tosafot and I didn't mark that, I didn't make that clear, especially because they contradict one another. It's not as if I'm mixing and matching and building something cohesive. All right, so the Gemara has been dealing with how to resolve the Mishnah alternatively and what we're up to and what we began yesterday is this some 12 lines from top where it says, Ela le'olam rabbananhi. Maybe the entirety of the Mishnah from beginning until end is the Hachamim. Again, Hachamim maintain Keren bershuta nizak hatzinezek vehasure machsera vehachekatane. And the Mishnah is, so to speak, missing words. And here's how you read the Mishnah. Now, if you recall, the Mishnah began with a heading. The heading was there are five tam and five mu'ad. And our understanding of that heading was as follows. The five tam are the first five cases you mentioned, which are called kerim. Those are if it gores, if it pushes, if it sits, if it comes, all those cases, all right. And then we understood the five mu'adim, which was mentioned in that initial line, as a continuation, what are the five mu'ad? Oh, that is shen and regel and keren birshutanizak, etc. That was why this became confusing for us because we understood that as a heading, which was going to define everything that happened afterwards. Instead, says the Gemara, hamishat haminhen vi'im hu'adu hamishatan mu'adin. The Mishnah, in its initial introductory words, reads as follows: There are five tam, and those five tam. If it happens more than three times, they become mu'ad. Well, what are those five times? They're all kerim. In other words, I started the conversation and ended it before you even realized. I told you in the introductory line something just about the first sentence. The five tamim I'm about to mention, if the animal does anything, that's what's called kerim. If it's done more than three times, it becomes mu'ad. What's the difference if it's tam or mu'ad? It then pays full damage. Pause. New segment entirely of the Mishnah. 
Now let me tell you about something else. There's something called shin and something called regal. What did we help by doing this? We now moved. What's that? The three times. Three times is the warning. You always say the warning after three times. I thought it's automatic. No, no. You have to warn someone. No, the three times is that's that. Hu'adu means you you're damaged and you're warned. Well, we'll. Don't we know that initial halakha in the Mishnah? It's a. In other words, what's the hidush in saying the, uh, that there are hamisha uh, tamin? By definition, once you have hamisha tamin, you have hamisha muadim as well. As Judah says, the, the lashon then of the Mishnah is a unnecessary lashon. He told me there's five tam. That's the hidush. Five of these are qualified as kerim. The fact that you tell me, and if it does it more than three times, it becomes mu'ad, you needed to specify those words, as opposed to our other ways of reading the Mishnah, when we said the five mu'adim are all the cases afterwards, which means that they're mu'ad, they're paying nezik shalem, mitahilatam. I, I hear you. I hear you. The words are in the Mishnah. The, the, it's funny to have to mention that. Just say the hamishat tamit, which is the way we understood the Mishnah. I don't have a good answer to that. The main difference between the behemah and Mishnah is clearly saying behemah has five chances. There are five behemoth that have warnings, and then the other animals that would... Uh, no, they're not five behemoth. It's any behemah, any, any, let's call it, somewhat domesticated behemah who does any of these five actions. That's what it is. It's, we're not listing five behemoth initially. Right. We do that. The next the sefa talks about... Uh, so the sefa of the Mishnah we're going to have to deal with, how you read that. In other words, how does that link in with this conversation? You have to understand already. Now it's already much easier. The sefa of the Mishnah is now much easier according to this reading. What do I mean? If the heading was there are five tam, and they're all called keren, and then there's five mu'ad. What's the mu'ad? Mitahilato, where you're paying this, shin and regil, etc., etc. Then how come those final ones didn't get counted as part of the five mu'adim? Why didn't you have more? The answer is, we were never mentioning more than five. We never counted those final ones. We were counting just the first five. There are five cases where first three times you're not liable. Five, and in those same five cases, again, Jared says unnecessary words, but that's how we're going on this. Then if you do a time four, then you're liable. Now let me just give you a list. We're not counting it any longer. So those final words of the Mishnah, if anything, they, the Gemara will make this point, read much cleaner. Because it seemed as if, you told me, and there are cases of Mu'ad, you listed five, and they say, oh, by the way, lions and tigers and bears. How come lions and tigers and bears didn't get included in my final listing? At least count it as one. Say there are six mu'ad. Right, that's what the Gemara will, again, in a very technical uh, uh, passage, deal with right now. Period. End of first segment. Now, second segment, entirely detached, and therefore we can change where we were. The first segment we're suggesting was in a public area. Second segment is... Excuse me, public or private. Period. So it means that the next part of the Mishnah is talking specifically and only about Shein and Regal. There's no count of five in this. And when it says that the damage took place on the property of another person, it was talking about Shein and Regal. It was talking about the eating or the trampling. Which is always Mu'ad if it's Bershuta Nizak. Says the Gemara, I have a problem from the Mishnah later on. Why? Matkifla Ravina Hakatanele Kaman doesn't the Mishnah, which is to come, have the following opening words for our purposes? Shor Hamazik Bershuta Nizak Kesad? Question mark. Explain to me Shor Hamazik, an animal which damages 
on the property of the person whose uh, animal got damaged. That's the Mishnah opens with. Could you define that for me? It's almost as if we were already talking about it. Were we already talking about it? Now, in the simple reading of the Mishnah, which we dealt with yesterday, of course we were already talking about it. That was, in the second part of the Mishnah, we were talking about my dog attacks your dog on your property. How much do you pay? How much do you not pay? Now our reading of the Mishnah is those words weren't talking about attacking animal upon another animal. Those words were specifically and only referring to Shin and Rego, where the animal damages the property. If you are to tell me it's un- in turn understood, Ayere. The Mishnah on here on Daftet Vav was dealing with the case of Shor Hamazik Birshutanizak, meaning Kirin Birshutanizak, Mishum Hakekatane Ketzad. It's for that reason that the Mishnah begins with the word, What's the case? What's the halacha? Describe it to me. I'm in the middle of a sentence, I say something, and I say, now let me go back to what I said. That makes sense. But if you're to tell me, as you're telling me right now, that the Mishnah never was dealing with Keren, Bershut in this respect, why would the Mishnah later on say Ketzad? Ela, last approach here in the Gemara. Amar Ravina, Ela rather says, Ravina, Hasure Mechsera, I'll take you up on the suggestion that the Mishnah is missing words, but a bit differently than you suggested, so that everything works out. Uh, cleanly. The next Mishnah. The next Mishnah will say that. No, the Mishnah that we just finished. It's not giving us information. It's opening a question. Yeah. According to this approach as well, it will be doing so. And it's, which it's, uh, I think what you suggest, what you Right. I think what you're pointing out, and, and Ravina's reading right now is going to make it even more blatant and in your face. So, in other words, what Eli's saying is according to this reading, according to. Not even according to this reading. It's clear. If the next Mishnah opens with, what's the case over there? It means our Mishnah is not, as uh, Eli said, laying down the law clearly. Our Mishnah is opening conversation. That's very clear. If I finish the class and the next day I come in, I say, so what I was talking about, let's explain it. It means I left something open over there. The Mishnah very clearly is doing so, which is instructive if you're thinking about what Mishnayot do. But more than anything, uh, Eli, Mishnayot are supposed to be read together. Uh, we break them up and stop them and talk about Gemara in the middle, which brings the Mishnayot together. You're supposed to know them all. So that it ends with a question or it opens up a question, not so crazy because the next Mishnah is going to answer. It's not as if it leaves an open-ended question. So anyway, it says Ravina, the Mishnah opens and says there are five tamim. What are those five cases of time where you're paying hatzines, a calf damage? Of course, it's the kidding cases, the squatting and the kicking and the goring and the pushing and the etc. Vi'imhu adu, and if any of those five cases have a three-time warning, and the fourth time they do they damage again, Judah, we're accepting it. Hamishatan mu'adim. Okay, those three. Any of those five actions, any action for argument's sake, done to another animal, if it's done already three times, time four, you're liable for full damage, what we call mu'ad. Then, the next words in the Mishnah are also understood and explained the same way we did earlier. It's a new segment talking not about damaging another person's animal, but rather their field with shen or regal, eating and benefiting or uh, trampling. Now, v'zehu shor hamu'ad. He injects these words, and that, or this, is referring to the Shor Hamu'ad, says Rashi, which is written in the Torah. The Torah says that if your animal is Hu'ad, if your animal is forewarned several times and you don't listen, that's a reference to our initial case. Our initial five cases. So one more time. Our initial five cases were you did any of those actions, your animal to another action. 
we, to another animal. Our statement was, if it did it four times, you're going to be liable entirely. Parentheses, or pause. Let's talk about shin and regel. Now, let's return to what we were initially referring to. What were we initially referring to? Those five actions. Back to the regular scheduled programming. That is what the Torah was referring to when it said, shor ha-mu'ad. And you should know, when we talk about an animal which gores another, listen to the words, so much so, Eli, you should know that opens up a dispute. Huh? That's right. Our Mishnah, according to this reading of Ravina, just refers you to it. I start the class and I finish the class by telling you, I have all these cases, and this one, I do this all the time, is a mahloket. What's the mahloket, Rabbi? We'll look it up, we'll learn it later. That's how the Mishnah reads according to this. Rabbi Tarfon says, Mu'ad Nizak, and Hachamim say Hatzinezik. It's what we've been dealing with throughout. It's just that now we're injecting it into the Mishnah. Agreed? Agreed. Very irregular of a Mishnah. Of course, we're not talking about Mu'ad. We're talking about Tam Nizak. Yeah. Tam Birshut HaNizak is mahluk between Bitafon and Hachamim. And then the Mishnah concludes, Yesh Mu'adim Ahirim Kayoseh Be'elu. And in truth, you should know we have other Mu'adim that are along the lines of Shen and Regel. Listen to how strange it is. Um, not strange, how out of the norm, Jesse. Now we go back to Shen and Regel and we say, you should know, we have some similar to that. For example, Period. That's the way the Mishnah ends, by telling you all the wild animals are what we call Mu'ad Mitehilatam. They are from their initial growth, initial birth, uh, full damage if they, da- if they bring it. Absolutely. Let me finish with the Beraita, and then we'll go back to the Mishnah. We'll read it. Uh, Beraita, the Gemara says, exactly, uh, is, is, is exactly reported as Ravina wanted our Mishnah. Tanyana Mehache. This will conclude the conversation before we turn back to the Mishnah and actually read it in. Tanyana Mehache, a Beraita, indeed teaches as Ravina did. Listen to how the Beraita does it. You'll be able to see it in the Mishnah, kind of, afterwards. Hamishat Aminhen. There are five cases where if the animal does something that we call kerin to another animal, in the initial three times, you're paying hatzinezik, half the damage. And if they did it more than three times with warnings, hamishatan mu'adin, all five of those cases, the goring, the pushing, the squatting, etc., become mu'ad, they pay full amount, period, in the beraita. V'shin v'regel mu'adin b'tahilatan, period. The eating and the trampling another person's field, for liability. Vizeu shor hamu'ad. You see the words in the Beraita. And you should know what we were talking about originally. You took me off it for a minute. That's shor hamu'ad. That's what the Torah is referring to when it says, if it's forewarned, you pay full amount. Vishor hamazik nizak. And you should know, if you damage even the first three times in the property of another person, mahloker bitafon verabbanan. That would be a dispute, which I'm not telling you about. You'll learn about it in a little bit, between the bitafon and hachamim, whether you pay full or half. And you should know, says the Beraita, as Ravina told us to read in the Mishnah, where these animals are mu'ad mitahilatam. From the first damage, they pay full amount, no warnings are necessary. What are they? Period. Okay, let's go back to the Mishnah. Let's read the Mishnah quickly through. It's the Mishnah we've been struggling with. Let's one more time read it. Unless, unless those animals are domesticated. 
Of course, says the Mishnah, unless they're domesticated, which to you and me is laugh out loud. I don't know if we haven't, you probably have. I haven't been to India. I imagine in India they still know, I don't know, maybe Africa. Indeed. No, no, we'll deal with it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We won't know even after it comes, indeed. But the Gemara will ask. My Bartel. With what? What about the last? Talking about wild animals, fully wild. I'm talking about somebody domesticated. Oh no! Because I'll tell you why. Though. What's Mars laughing at? Mars laughing no, at. The big issue is saying what's 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 the issue is just with the Mahmoud. Yeah, just how to read the Mishnah. It's a technical issue, really, more than anything. We'll see it. Let's read it together. Back in the Mishnah, Daftetva Vamud Bet. So turn back a page. It says the Mishnah, Hamisha Tamin, the Hamisha Muadim. Now, if we were to just read that initially. Well, again, if you just read those words, it's talking about five cases and five other cases. That's certainly the way uh, Rashi and Avi Harari, as a result, explained it to you on the Mishnah. I said, yeah, five cases where you're Tam, five other cases where you're Mu'ad. What did Ravinat do to this? Ravinat said, you have five cases which are Tam, which become Mu'ad. You have five cases where you pay half amount, which if done enough times with enough warnings, they become full amount. Was no hidush in what? That was that was a jet, that was Judah's question. Why are the words in the Mishnah? What can Maybe I tell you? Tell you that one more if you if you get one on one plus the other plus the other three different actions, five different actions, it's all. But it's not true. But it's not true. No. But all right, valiant effort. Alright, so that again, that's the way he could have and would have read it. The way Ravina told us to read it. No, no, it's talking about the case, same case. Then continues the Mishnah and it, it defines for Ravina everything we were describing. You see that those words also are very difficult. It's not that it's not mu'ad. It's that it's initially tam, but the lashon is enamu edet. Loli gach, veloli gof, velola shuch, veloli rbos, veloli vaot. Period. That ended segment, according to Ravina, ended segment one of the Mishnah. You now told me the hamisha tamin, which, if they were done enough times, become the same hamisha mu'adim. Now the Mishnah says, let me tell you about other cases. Hashen mu'adet le'echolet ra'uila. It tells you about two cases where if it eats or benefits from the damage or tramples, it's obligated in Nezik Shalem, full damage from the beginning. Now, says the Mishnah, Ravina injects words over here. There are new words in the Mishnah according to Ravina. Now the Mishnah says, V'zehu shor hamu'ad. What do those words mean? Rashi on our Gemara said, he's now going back to the original statement and he's saying, you want to know what the Torah is referring to when it says your animal is worn three times or worn several times? It's talking about that, those first five cases. Now that's what, now we're, as a result of that line which Ravina injected over here, that's his Hasure Mechserah part of it, he now says, and on that note, Veshor Hamu'ah, excuse me, Veshor Hamazik Tanizak, on that note, where we just said, V'zehu shor hamu'ad, you should know, shor hamazik v'shutanizak is, inject the words, Ravina, banu lemachloker bitarfon v'chachamim. That's the dispute of bitarfon v'chachamim. So it means the Mishnah a little bit flip-flops, according to Ravina. The Mishnah began with these five cases called Keren. It then went to Shen and Regel, then goes back to Keren, designated by the words, V'shor mu'ad, or what he has, V'zehu shor mu'ad, and then on 
that shor mu'ad slash tam, the kidden situation, it says, oh, you should know, we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, what, what, what's incorporated in that with regards to the mahlok and bitafon hachamim. What's that? What about the adam at the end of the house? But I not fit that. Because if it gores a person, it gets put to death. There's no law, no? No, 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 it's not going to a person. It's a person who damages another. A person is always one. So it's a person that is average as a minority. Which is really, really talking about just the Mu'ad aspect of... Correct, correct. Yes, Jeffrey. Can you say that a domesticated animal could never become Mu'ad? Yeah, but they were... No, we're cons- what sort of domesticated? We're considering sure domesticated. An ox. It's more domesticated than lion, tiger, and bear. But I'm saying, could you say. Lion, leopard, bear? Well, I'm saying, could you say a dog could never become. Why would you say that is what I'm asking? I'm saying there are five things that are considered time. Yeah, but those five actions, yeah, if any of your animal. is not considered wild, period. No, no I, I, it's not the way we. Again, we're reading Hamisha Tamim the Hamisha Mu'adim. And then we're going on to define them. Habehema, Behema is domesticated. And I'm Mu'adid, Loligah, Veloligof. You wanted, oh, you wanted Habehema, and I'm Mu'adid, period. But then you can't, how do you read the next words? Loligof, Veloligof, Loligah, Veloligof. Those words, they're standing on their own. It not to gore? No, it's Habehema, and I'm Mu'adid. It's not immediately considered Mu'ad for any of these actions. Right. Why are you saying that three times Well, again, Ravina is doing that. Ravina is reading the first line, by telling us those same times become Mu'ad. He has to explain those words, Hamisha Mu'adin. What do those words, Hamisha Mu'adin, mean? The third and fourth word in the Mishnah. That's the next. But he's not reading it that way. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you really need, you need to put on, I mean, but even, I was going to say, you put on the, but it's messy no matter what. It's a technical discussion in the Gemara trying to dissect the words of the Mishnah, which ultimately speaking, we're saying, was imprecise. We're adding in words here, it's subtracting there, etc. Couldn't the Mishnah not be overridden by a technicality? That's coming directly Torah. Because, no, it's not that we're even directly from the Torah. We have a mahloka, we don't know how to interpret the Torah. Whereas, with, in addition to having an inability to clearly define what the Torah says, the Mishnah is making things difficult for us as well. So it's not overwritten in that. Okay, says the Gemara back on Daf Tetzai in Amud Aleph. Uh, we're technical. On the technical, you should know. There are those who asked uh, a contradiction of sorts within the same Mishnah. What does that mean? Instead of the way we were attacking this and dealing with it, they ask it as a contradiction in a different way. Listen to how. Tenan, on the one hand, our Mishnah said, Hamisha tamim Hamisha mu'adin. On the one hand, our Mishnah said, and this is what I was telling you just a moment ago, it says that there are five tam, and there are five cases of mu'ad. Vitulo, there's only five cases of mu'ad. What are those five cases of mu'ad? Oh, it's ha'adam, ha'shen, ha'regel, etc. And that's how we read it. And as a result, we had a difficulty. Didn't the Mishnah itself conclude with Didn't it conclude by telling us there's a whole slew of others which are considered Mu'ad from their initial stage? According to Ravina's reading of the Mishnah, this is not a 
difficulty. Why is it not a difficulty? The Mishnah was never counting the cases of Mu'ad. The Mishnah was only counting the cases of Kid and of Tam and telling you those Tams in all five of those cases become Mu'ad. Not the cleanest and easiest way to read it, but it certainly answers this question. We're done with the count of five. Five was only on Kedin, on the cases of Tam. Then I have a whole slew of others. I never counted these. Shin, Regal Muadim, Hilatan, Zeshwara Muad, Shoramazik, Shutanizak, Mahlok, Bitafon, Rabbanan. The Yesh Muadina Hirim, Kayosebe, you should know. There are others, the Mishnah concludes, that are similar to Shin, Regal Adam, etc. What are they? Hazeev, Ha'ariv, Hadova, Hanameva, Bardelas, Vehanahash. It's any and all of those wild, undomesticated animals, which from their very first, you have a pet. I don't know, any of those animals, it goes and attacks another animal, person, whatever, it's mu'ad mitahilato. Okay, that concludes this technical uh, gemara for us. There's a little bit more with regards to dissecting the words in the Mishnah, and uh, let's go uh, straight into it. What is the just means yesha omrim, which means to say there's a different version to in what situation Ravina said his words. Well, you never find that. I mean, what the later scholars of the Gemara, they call them the Stamma'in. They say it's when the Gemara was undergoing some sort of editing process, which took hundreds of years. At some point, a certain generation, they had a different Masoret on this, and they threw that in. We're, we're just, un- in the scheme of these things, no. Sometimes it does. In the scheme of these things, it's just a, it, it adds to the strength of Ravina. The question which was posed, by which Ravina was answering, it adds to the, to, to the strength of his claim. The only thing that we really need to solve with regards to all this is what's the halakha hachamim versus Rabbi Tarfon. We got to wait for Daf Kafdalid for that, but I'll tell you it's hachamim. I mean, you know, but that's that's about it. That's why I said it's a very technical gemara, not yielding that much in terms of fundamental halakha issues. The gemara, the Mishnah went on. It said velolir bots. It said that uh, one of the actions which is considered tam, which is considered mishune, if the animal, if an ox does it, is if it squats, if it sits on someone else's utensil. So says the Gemara, Marbi Lazar, Lo Shanu Ela Pachim Gedolim, Ava Pachim Ketanim Orchehu. The statement of Rabbi Lazar is when is it irregular for an animal to sit and break uh, utensils with, of course, the intention of breaking them? That's only Loshanu, we specifically and only taught El Pachim Gedolim, large utensils. My dog sat on that table and broke it, that's not normal. Aval Pachim Ketanim, my dog sat on that small vase, oh, that's Orche, Orche Melashon Ora, Ora Hayim means Derech Hayim, that's the regular Derech and way of the animal. And as a result, what would that be considered? If my dog sits on the vase, regal, that's trampling. That's a normal thing. It's not irregular. And therefore, nezek shalem, larger is kerim, indeed. So that's the, that's the statement of Rabbi Lazar. Our Mishnah again said, if an animal damages in a way of squatting, sitting on something, it's not considered nezek shalem. You only pay half because we consider it irregular. That's specifically and only if it's let's call it bigger than the animal. If it's too large, if it's smaller, that's normal. Look at animals, that's what they do. Uh, look at oxen, that's what they do, apparently. Perhaps we can support uh, this statement of Rabbi Lazar with the following uh, statement from a Beraita. 
Listen to the statement of the Beraita. It's normal for an animal, meaning it's going to be considered regel, to pay full nezik from the first infraction, to walk in a regular fashion, and to break, and to crush lemaech, people, animals, and utensils. Pause for a second. That sounds like an utter and blatant contradiction to Amishnah. Amishnah said when it breaks utensils, when it crushes them, that's irregular. How much do you pay? Half. This Beraita says you pay full amount. I know how to resolve it. Perhaps it'll be Lazar just resolved it for me. Our Mishnah was talking about large utensils. That's irregular. Half payment the first three times. This Beraita is talking about small utensils. Regular. Regal, says the Gemara. Maybe not. Dilma min hatzad. Maybe any time the animal sits on a utensil, whether big or small, it would be hatzinezik. How do you resolve this Beraita? This Beraita is not when it sat on it, but rather when it passed by and pushed it into a wall. That's more regular. You see an ox and it's walking, pushes a human, pushes an animal, pushes a utensil into all that's normal, that it sat on a utensil, maybe that's irregular in all situations. The Gemara is going to give us two other renditions of the same halakha. Here we go. Uh, four lines into the wide lines, two words before the end of the line. Ikade amre, yeshe omrim, so another one of these, Jesse. Again, no, in this situation, no practical ramifications other than different traditions as to how in the Midrash this was developed. Amar bilazar lote ma pachim gidolin hu de la vorhe, afal pachim ketani According to this version, Bilazar did not claim, as we said earlier, if the dog breaks the small vase, he's paying full amount. He said, don't make a mistake of saying that way. When the Mishnah told us that it's irregular to crush something, it's both large and small. In all situations, you're paying half. Oh, according to that, we don't have a proof from this Beraita. We have a question from this Beraita. According to this, how do you explain the words of the Beraita? The Beraita says if an animal crushes utensils, it pays full amount. When do you pay full amount? It's not true. You don't pay full amount. You just told me it's an irregular action. According to this, Rabbi Lazar deflected. He wasn't bringing this as an attempted proof and then being deflected. He's deflecting what was brought as a proof against him. What was that? He claimed that it's irregular no matter, according to this version, no matter whether utensil is small or big. We brought a proof against him from the Biraita, which seems to say sometimes it's regular. Oh, we would suggest that's talking about when it's small. You were talking about when it's big. And the Mishnah was talking about when it's big. No, that's talking about when it's to the side. When it's to the side, crushing into a wall, that's normal. Lastly, says the Gemara's third version as to how Rabbi Lazar made this statement, in what context? There are those who ask this as a contradiction. What's a contradiction? The Mishnah and the Beraita. It wasn't Ravi, it wasn't Rabbi Lazar commenting on our Mishnah. It was Rabbi Lazar trying to resolve a contradiction in the Beraitot. House of Beraita and Mishnah. Tenan. On the one hand, our Mishnah says, it's irregular for an animal to squat and to break a utensil. On the other hand, doesn't the Beraita say, the Beraita says it's regular, it's normal, you're going to pay full damage if the animal crushes even a utensil. According to this version, Bilazar is coming to resolve the Mishnah Beraita and saying, He would distinguish between large utensils and small utensils. The fact that this is the final explanation in the Gemara, the fact that this comes to resolve these Beraitot for one reason or another, that's the way the Poskim Go Harambam distinguishes in his Mishneh Torah between Pachim Gedolim and Pachim Ketanim, which makes a lot of sense. If it's normal, when I look at this animal and I say, I would sit on that, 
that would be Nezek Shalem from the beginning. It's on the owner to realize your animal would sit, would squat on this type of thing. If it's larger and it does so, then and only then would we consider it Tam. We needed to get to these words for you. Um, Eli Hazeev Ha'ari. So if you recall, the last part of the Mishnah told us there are several cases of wild animals which we consider Mu'ad Mitahilato. Ze'ev, a wolf. Ari, a lion. Bardelas. What is a bardelas? What is that? Every other one of them are contemporary, normal, easy Hebrew words to translate. My bardelas. What's a bardelas? Amar of Yehuda. I'll make it easy for you, says Rav Yehuda. It is a nafraza. Fantastic. Chalas. Says the Gemara. My nafraza. Very nice, Rav Yehuda. You gave me an explanation. You used another word. I, you know, it reminds me of you want to know what's the what's the animal, and they give you the um, classification name. They give you that funny, you know, Latin right. You didn't help me with anything. What is that? Amar Rav Yosef, and back in the day, this helped them. Apa. Rav Yosef said it's an apa. It helped them back then. It hasn't helped us for several hundred years because we don't know what an apa is. But that's the answer. What's a bardelas? It's an afraza. What's an afraza? It's an apa. What's an apa? So as I mentioned before the class, Rashi and Tosafot, if I remember correctly, in Sanhedrin and Daftetvav, have a mahloket about what an apa is. An apa is either a rotent, rat-like item, or something larger like, what you say, a bobcat, a weasel. Yeah, that's the rotent rat. That's the, that's the rat-like thing. Yeah, har, um, yeah, how do you say, whatever, yeah. That's uh, ardva you want. Holda, that's the word. Holda, Rashi writes over there. Okay, regardless, it means... I'm sorry to say it like this. This is my yeshivish side. It means an animal. That's a, I, which animal? I don't know. We're we really dealing with this. It means a wild animal. Yeah, it reminds me. I stepped into a classroom for the first time as a new teacher, and I had to teach Berit ben Abitarim. I've told the story too many times. Berit ben Abitarim, and uh, I'm going through the animals and what they represent, and I'm going into it in depth. I had a nice class. I was trying to teach them the significance, and then it says Vatere da'ayit, and Pasuk says, and the uh, the large birds came down, and they were getting the left the meat. And so I was telling the significance, and one of the girls raised her hand. She says, so what is an ayat? What's that animal? I said, I have no idea. She says, what do you mean you have no idea? You're the teacher. I said, no matter, it's an ayat, and I'll tell you the representation. I said, but what does it look like? For me, it doesn't make a difference. For me, a shore can look like a lizard, and that's the same thing for me. It doesn't matter. Okay, that's, that's the way my mind works in this, because we need to know the halakha. Unfortunately, I wasn't. I've tried to get more in the real world in this respect. So I don't know. I don't know what an apa is, but neither does Rashi or Tosafot. Yes, da? So uh, I did, and uh, Rabbi Harmadi was very particular about us knowing I, I always never understood exactly why we're getting so excited about this. Anesha, whether it's a griffin vulture or an eagle, it's all the same thing. I don't know the difference between them anyway. I just know their names. Anyway, Metive says the Gemara, we have a Beraita, which will question this. You just told me that the definition of a Bardelas is an apa. I'm going to have a Beraita which will contradict that. All right, let's imagine it as what we call it, a weasel or a, uh, some sort of bobcat. But this Beraita will contradict that. How so? A cheetah, beautiful. Metivet. Rabbi Meir Omer af Okay, so Rabbi Meir is adding on to the list. We had a list of lion and the wolf, etc. Says Rabbi Meir also ate Saboa. What's a Saboa? A hyena. That one I think I know, right? Rabbi Lazar Omer, Afanahash. Those are funny words. But, uh, Ve'amar of Yosef, Saboa zo apa. 
It goes like this. I recite the Mishnah. So I come in, I say, Alan, recite the Mishnah. You recite the Mishnah. You finish the Mishnah and you say, and there is a lion and there's a wolf and there's a bardelas and there's a this and that. Oh, very nice. And then Rabbi Meir jumps up and he says, oh, I want to add one. It's a tzaboa. And I say, you want to know what a tzaboa is? It's an apa. So did he add something? If the definition of a bardelas was an apa, was a hyena, Rabbi Meir can't say af also. Uh, so how's he answer? How, how, do you, how do you square this? We just finally figured out what a Baradelas was. We finally defined it as an Apa, whatever that is. But now you have a Beraita, which is complementing, adding on to the Mishnah, and it's repeating that, but saying as if you're adding to it, Lakashya, Kam Bisabu'a Zachar, Kam Bisabu'a Nekeva. The Gemara suggests there's no contradiction because Rabbi Meir was adding either the female or the male, and the Mishnah was referring to either the male or the female. Uh, there's two Lishonot, two ways in Rashi to understand this. Rashi likes the second approach, but two approaches to this. The Mishnah, when it mentioned Bardelas, was talking about either the male or the female. Rashi likes more, it was talking about the male hyena. And the Beraita was referring to, or the Bimeir is referring to the female as well. Ditanya, after all, we have a Beraita, which teaches Sabu Azachar. We'll return to this tomorrow, but yeah, we'll return. It sounds like the end of the Haggadah. We'll return to this tomorrow, a very curious and difficult beraita or statement of the Hachamim to understand. But in short, we went through, to the best of my knowledge, all the technicalities on this Mishnah. We're now trying to define Bardelas, arrived at somewhat of a conclusion on that. We'll continue with that tomorrow.